0: Good morning, Interweb. Welcome back to the artifactsian podcast in this month's episode. I know nothing about jellyfish. Science meets religion in TV shows... Chinese naming systems, why thick mugs are better than thin mugs for tea drinking, at least in some instances. In eCare news, the Abeski are doing their job just a little too well. In Artifexian news, I launched a new series, Anxiety over an Airborne Fiancé, and we finish up with a totally non-anxiety inducing Global Peace Index quiz. All of that, plus lots more, in this month's episode. (coughs) Right, episode 68, uh, 608, Engaged. Engaged. Uh, First item of follow-up, Bill. um, I'm an idiot, Uh, as, as, you know, is evident by the past eight years of me being on the internet here, constantly Mm -hmm. saying stupid things I am, and I said a stupid thing last episode that I need to correct. At numerous points throughout the recording, uh, I mentioned that jellyfish were really smart and stuff. And I mentioned that they have their brain wrapped around their esophagus. And in theory, uh, we could hypothesize a sentient jellyfish species getting high via mechanical means by swallowing something was too big for their esophagus and thus deforming their brain. Right. All of that is completely untrue for jellyfish. It is what I, what I meant to say was octopus, octopi or octopodes or whatever, whatever plural you choose. Um, are the smart ones and the ones with their brains uh, wrapped around their esophagus? Not jellyfish. Jellyfish. Jellyfish are stone tick. Just need to make that clear.
1: Um, I think jellyfish don't have brains nor esophagi.
0: I'll take your word for it. I'm not. I'm not willing to wade into the the quagmire that is jellyfish speculation <laughs> after the fiasco that was last show. <laughs> but I just want to throw it out there because that was uh, uh I just I, I said it over and over again and I want to correct it um that's number one number two and um, people enjoyed the cooking episode um that we did
1: it certainly seemed to
0: yeah and it took me a little bit by surprise because I really thought most people were like this lip smacking is obnoxious stop it but I think people really dig this it's kind of like artifact scene does mukbang. <laughs> <laughs> in a way um, and people seem to really dig it so we'll we'll do another one um, Bill and I were just talking about it off air and I think what we'll do is we'll do a um, a dish from ancient Greece uh, for next show and Bill and I I think will cook the same dish um, this time because I think that might lead to a more interesting debate uh, particularly if you know we cook something and Bill like absolutely hates it and I absolutely love it that, you know, banter could ensue, um, and it's redundancy, like if one of us can't get all the ingredients, then, you know, at least the other person's cooking that dish, etc. Um, so, we're going to do that. Now, we're not going to do that next show, because this show has been delayed by two weeks, because apparently Bill and I both have lives, which is a news news to me, um, uh, so the the next recording after this show is going to be standard first Sunday of every month, and that's too closely spaced to this recording so we'll do the cooking episode the next recording so not this episode not the following episode but the episode after that um, does that make sense bill it makes total sense total, total sense. sense uh we reserve the right to change our minds and maybe do <laughs> ancient rome depending on ingredient 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 availability and such but uh, as it currently stands, we're going to look at an Ancient Greece episode in the not so near future. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. All right. Now, uh, so there are two items of follow-up. We got some emails here. This is going to be yet another very Edgar-heavy follow-up. Brace yourselves, folks. So our first email comes from Bean Paste, continuing the fine tradition of Artifexian podcast listeners having bean-related names. Um, They write an email about the age reckoning we talked about in the last episode, how in Korea, uh, when you are born, you are born aged one and not age zero, plus assorted um, cultural interest around that system. Um, So Bean Paste writes, The way of age counting, Edgar spoke about in episode 67, uh, is commonly referred to as age reckoning. I like a lot of Chinese wuxia and xianxia fiction. Um, And there is a very interesting system of age reckoning in at least ancient China, which ties into the ancient system of naming. In ancient China, one person can have three different names. Name number 1 is a childhood name. This is the name given to the child at birth and once they grow and once they are grown it'll only be used by family or childhood friends. Name number 3 is a title. It's pretty self-explanatory. If someone is given a special title, then they may use it as a name. And the second type of name is the interesting one, courtesy name. This ties into age reckoning because the courtesy name is given to men when Chinese age reckoning determines that they are 21. Women may get a courtesy name upon marriage. It's, a not, it's not a very clear thing. Chinese age reckoning, like Korean, starts with a child born at the age of 1. Then they gain another year on the day of the Lunar New Year. Also to note that in Chinese, this age is counted in ordinal numbers rather than cardinal numbers. So I find that all extremely fascinating and I have never heard of that before and that's kind of awesome. I really enjoy it, particularly the part about ordinal numbers. Like I'm assuming the way you would phrase it then in Chinese would be something like, I have my first year or Mm. I have my 43rd year. Like I wouldn't, I can't really envisage him saying something like, I am 43rd. That seems a bit odd. Um, I'd imagine there's some sort of, like cool periphrastic construction around that. Anyone who knows Chinese um, or some Chinese language, let me know about that. But I think that's really cool. All the multiple names—that's really awesome. Mm. Very interesting. I might steal that uh, for 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 a project. So thank you, Bean Paste. Uh, now our next email comes from. <laughs> comes from a uh, boomerang beans Chango Reginald Bartholomew the third, and then they ran out of space in the name slot, so I have a D here with uh, three dots, and then in the subject field they wrote name continued, and then they have O Dove Dove slain. How would you pronounce that, Bill? Oh Dove slain. Uh, O-dushlina. O-dushlina O-dushlina of, maybe. Odushlena of Leash. Um, so I'm pretty sure we're actually missing some titles there in the uh, in the name because it had to be spread over the name field and into the subject. It's Delaney. Delaney.
1: Yeah. Hmm. It's I mean like it's the tr- it's the the translation of Delaney. You don't just say it the same as Delaney but it's,
0: Oh, it's, right, right, right. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what Bill? It used to make me really sad in school tangent alert here. Uh sorry, we'll get back to the email in a sec. Um, tangent. Tangent. Uh, in school, we used to do like uh our our teacher used to do as much of the uh, curriculum true Irish as possible. So like he'd refer to us But by our Irish names, uh, we'd have like a Cora session at the start of every morning. It's like a Cora means conversation. Um, And we'd have to use, I'm sure you had the same experience. You had to use a bunch of like Irish phrases to ask to do things like go to the bathroom and that sort of crack. Um, Mm -hmm. And it used to make me really sad because I was the only kid uh, in my class and possibly school because Ireland was not as diverse as it currently is. In the like early nineties, um, that didn't have an Irish name. Like Edgar Grunwald was just not translated. Uh, I don't know if it's untranslatable, uh, but I was just referred to as Edgar Grunwald, and it used to. I, it kind of bothered me because it, it kind of singled me out as being different. And yeah. I really didn't like that. Like everyone, all uh, everyone was like, "Oh, Porig Og or or whatever," <coughs> and I was Edgar Groomod, and I was like, "Why don't I get a fun name? This is ridiculous." <laughs> so, as much as I do love my name, I think it's. I, I think Edgar is a really nice name. I do wish there was an Irish translation for it, um, hmm. but you know. Such as the cross we all have to bear. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> so Boomerang Beans Chango, Reginald Bartholomew the uh, Third, Old D- Duschner of Leash, writes, "It is I, the one true Beans Chango." Again, continuing the fine t- tradition of uh, artifacts and viewers of bean-related names. I can infer, I can confirm that I am not, in fact, Devon Beans. I have, I have bidded, bowed my time uh, and decided to reply at this right moment. But first, I must talk about bread. They go on and talk here just to summarize a little bit about uh, my problems with the unleavened bread uh, in the last episode. And they theorized that like some sort of leavening agent probably was around um, because like, you know, uh, sourdough bread, you can like leave it out or whatever. And the... Gases can build up through the fermentation of little tiny bacteria. So you can kind of get some leavening sort of stuff happening there, which is pretty cool. And then they go on to finish, and this is the main reason why I'm bringing up this email because it's gas. Uh, they write, "Finally, this is a message for Devon Beans. If you are listening to this, I challenge you to a duel for the title of Beans. Whoever wins must drop the title of Beans and must only go by Devon or Chango, respectively, within the context of the Art Vexing podcast. I haven't thought through the form of which this duel will take. This is an empty trash. Also, <laughs> <laughs> also big fan of the show." I've been listening since day one, and it's been a big help in the creation of my current project. I would say now that that's hilarious. And also, we have another contender for the title, Beans, because we have a Devon Beans, Beans Django, and now we have Beans Paste.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: The conspiratorial person uh, 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 head in me is thinking that they're actually all the same person. And there's like, they're manufacturing this drama to be a bit more beansy, to bring a bit more beans recognition to the Art podcast. I I just, I just don't know, but that was a gas email. Beans Django. Thank you.
1: Um, I mean, they said that they're not Devon beans, (laughs) but can we trust that?
0: I mean, I read on the internet that they're not Devon beans, so it must be right. (laughs) This is it. (laughs) Now, uh, the final email that we're going to look at comes from Oscar Keen. Um, uh, hey Edgar and Bill, putting my name first. I like it. Nice <clears throat> with proper respect. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of the podcast and the channel as a whole, and I've found uh, every video of yours extremely helpful uh, with my world building efforts. Thank you. That's that really means a lot. Um, Cheers. They say, I have constructed a binary star system per your calculations in those videos and I have moved on to my first attempt at conlanging and fleshing out some cultures. I've got an idea to have the gods of these people be sort of real by making them be based on impossibly ancient and technologically powerful beings. The idea sprouted from that one quote whomst creator I cannot recall about advanced science appearing like magic. That's uh, Sanderson, isn't it?
1: Arthur C. Clarke.
0: Arthur C. Clarke. Um, I was wondering about yours and Bill's thoughts on these topics and also fitting in clearly supernatural gods into a scientifically plausible setting and the issues those two would pose. Um, My feedback on this real quick, Bill, I don't know if you'll have much to say about this, but I'll throw it over to you in a second. Um, I think uh, this is entirely doable and it can work really well. And I would quote Deep Space Nine as an example, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, as an example of it being done really well. Um, like, Star Trek is, I guess, sort of hard science-y, uh, but there also is a bomb really? of religion. Well, I mean, leave out the techno about it, but, like, you know, it's not, oh, I guess it's not hard science, isn't it? It's not as loose as, like, Star Wars, do you know?
1: I guess, and and certainly in its flavor, it's scientific. Yeah, exactly. I think is the more relevant
0: Precisely, precisely, um, and but yet they still incorporate like a bunch of religious stuff. And in Deep Space Nine, the religious stuff are like uh, super advanced ancient beings, so they're exactly what you're mm-hmm. going for. So I would,
1: I would the the Dominion.
0: The no, the Dominion are the bad guys, aren't they? Um,
1: yeah, I thought I thought they did a, a kind of a religion thing that they were they were worshipped by their client races.
0: I mean. There's so much religion in that show that I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. But what? There is a name. It's the, the people in the wormhole. There's a name for them. Okay. There's Yeah. yeah I can't remember the name for them. Ah, okay. But there's... I'll, we'll put in the show notes or something or I'll do this follow-up. The Prophets. The Prophets. That's it. That's it. Um, I would recommend checking that out because I think they do a really good job of making religion that is actually like air quotes based on reality. Um, mm-hmm. And... Not directly applicable to your point here, but I think Battlestar Galactica is another good show that's like purportedly kind of like hard science uh, or sets itself up in flavor to be kind of hard science, but also has like a bomb of religious stuff layered on top of it that works really mm. well. It's not directly the thing you're looking for, but it's kind of like adjacent. So I would encourage you to check those two, thing, those two things out, and that could really help in your endeavors, I think. Um, yeah. Bill, thoughts?
1: Um, I can think of a few examples of of this being done. It's not uncommon to get works where the uh kind of ancient religions and ancient mythologies of Earth are uh shown or explained through aliens, and it's, that kind of ties in with ancient alien and ancient astronaut theories. But, uh, Stargate does that. Like all of the all of the um races they encounter in Stargate are kind of tied to some uh ancient religion um it's done as well in the assassins creed series that the you know the the mythologies of egypt and of the norse etc are just a kind of memories of the precursor race um on earth yeah there's a few examples marvel like the the asgardians in in marvel are just um just powerful aliens who, who are interpreted as gods. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely stuff out there. And as regards kind of tying the two together, I mean, you kind of said it yourself, any sufficiently advanced technology, um, as Clark said. So I I don't think there's necessarily going to be a conflict there. They just, they have a more advanced technology, um, that appears to be supernatural. um, and it's up to you whether to investigate that further or not. You know, it's, I I don't think not investigating it will necessarily be a weakness in a, in a harder setting. Just as long as it's clear that it is something, um, just advanced.
0: Yeah, I agree. Some good shouts there. Um, I forgot about Star Um Yeah, there's
1: a good few examples. There's others that I can't I can't bring to mind, but there's yeah, it's 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 not uncommon. Actually, for a non Earth based example. Do they kind of have that in Halo? That the Who are the the enemies, the main enemies in Halo?
0: You're on your own here, pal. Never played Halo.
1: Never played Halo. Yeah, I'm not a not a big Halo guy. Um oh God, what are the what are the race called? I can't remember. But the main are the main kind of opponents, they worship again a precursor race um as as gods. Um and they just have like super advanced technology. Like the whoever it was that built the Haloes. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely room to explore that. And there's definitely, uh, existing examples of it you can draw on.
0: Sure. Um, cool. So, um, I hope that helped Oscar Keane. Um, thanks a million for the email. Now, a uh, final point of follow-up comes from the Reddit, comes from you slash this account is valid, frequent contributor to the show. Um, they write Theory. Every country has fancy thin teacups for when you're keeping tea in a pot. So this is in relation to us complaining uh, last month about how thin China makes for a worse cup of tea. And both you and I want our tea in a big, thick mug. Mm, Heft. They go on to say, Japan has at least two separate tea ceremonies, the Sencha probably pronounced wrong, wrong. Ceremony is not far off the cream one you mentioned, pots and delicate cups. However, the matcha ceremony only uses a kettle and a thick bowl. They make the tea in the bowl for each guest, so it's much more like a cup of tea in a mug. Basically, tea ceremonies, thus fancy tea sets, are based on using loose-leaf teas. You don't actually want the tea to remain hot for long because then it becomes bitter. Thin cups help make sure that the dregs don't ruin your cup by helping to avoid over extraction. Matcha is powder tea. All the flavors in the powder is not extracted. All temperature control is about the water you add to the tea powder. Also, it, it's made in a mug instead of a pot and there's no seeping time. You can just drink it immediately with full flavor without temperature management concerns. Thick mugs are preferable because they're just better for all other aspects of tea. Um, yes, matcha is just fancy instant tea, they say. So that's an interesting theory. If you don't want things to over steep, you put them in a thin cup. If you're not worried about that, you put it in a thick mug and that would track because we don't really want stuff to over extract when we make a cup of tea. So we just bang in the tea, stir it a little bit and then leave and then take it out, dust thicker mugs. So um, that's only their theory, but I'm on board with that. I, I, I think that that has some merit to it, at least intuitively.
1: Yeah, could it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I follow the logic.
0: Um, tea, follow-up. Tea and beans. It's all about tea and beans this episode. Um, so now that is follow-up done. Uh, shall we go and do some world building? Let's. Let's do some world building. So, Bill, what have you got for us uh, this month give us your summary do the read you know the jazz
1: um, this month we're going to learn a bit more about the the rising tide of agitation and social strife in E Cairn mm-hmm. um, and this is a report uh, an internal report in the DeMar company about a um, an operation to uh, co-opt some of this agitation
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Fire away.
1: Report. Agitation in Nalmia. The agent implanted among the local agitators in the ceramic works in my district was terminated in a clash with Valdini security forces. This operation is now closed, and we consider it to have been a partial success. The following strategic victories were achieved. Local barons' faith in the Valdini company's ability to provide security and continuity of operation has been severely shaken. Our licensed prospectors are well placed to offer contracts ensuring stability and reduce Valdini control of the market in this area. Depletion of the local workforce as a result of agitation and ensuing clashes with Valdini security has put further pressure on local barons to source reliable labour. Tamari workers would be ideal to fill this gap and allow us increased leverage over the local owners. Disruption to the supply of goods as a result of agitation has damaged the Valdini standing in the markets in Avesque cities. The following strategic losses have been endured. The loss of an embedded agent represents a diminished ability to monitor our competitors' operation in this district and to influence their affairs. Local populations' distrust of Abeski investment has severely increased due in part to the punitive measures taken by Valdini security forces. Recommendations for Future Action Agents and scouts should be familiar with agitation rhetoric, both to disrupt such movements and to encourage or co-opt them where advantageous. The embedded agent in this district was particularly familiar with agitation and strike fermenting as a result of experience gained prior to company employment. Inclusion of this topic in training would be highly beneficial to many operations. We conclude that the exploitation of the current environment of agitation is a viable strategy to weaken our competitors and should be explored further. Sodena Sat, Depot Commander, Nalmia 5th
0: Depot Cool. Okay, you give us your summary first, and then I'll ask some questions.
1: Um, so, uh, in this part of the Nalmia uh, district, which is part of the Trans olean office, um, there was uh, a degree of agitation and kind of striking and stuff among the the local workers, not the Abeski, um in an area that was more controlled by a, by a rival company, by the Valdini company. And the local depot commander uh, tasked an embedded agent that they had, you know, kind of working there um, in the Valdini uh, works to increase the agitation, to, you know, promote strike striking um, and, like, use that to disrupt the, the Valdini business. Um and it was a little bit too successful, and there was a there was a major uh, there was a major conflict, and the agent got killed in the violence, as did a lot of the workers.
0: And so the the Valdini uh, security forces are they uh, are they another Abesky thing or are they local?
1: They're they're another Abesky company, yeah. So they're they're, they're a rival company to the Tamar company.
0: Brill, brill. And just to be absolutely clear, the the implanted agent was one of the Tamar company. Yes. Yes. Okay. ground. Um. Okay. And so why did it go too well?
1: Just, you know, one of those things like, you know, he was sent in to promote striking and it got out of hand.
0: Okay, and then and it
1: got beyond his ability to 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 control or to influence, and became like a major strike or a major um, conflict.
0: And ended up getting him killed. Um, how yeah. how common of a practice is it for uh, for companies to plant rivals in other companies' affairs?
1: Probably pretty common. Pretty common. Okay. Probably pretty common, yeah. I would imagine so.
0: And and the relative power of these two companies, is, is the Tamar company a much bigger company than the Valdini?
1: Um, I remember I have... I can't remember what I said on this before. Uh, the Tamar company is newer. It's kind of... It's a little bit younger and more dynamic. And uh, the Valdini company is more established. Uh, but I guess they would probably of a similar size.
0: Okay. Cool, cool. Um, So, yeah. And so now the local barons... uh their their fate is shaken in the valdini they're like oh they look it looks like they couldn't really protect us at all time to go look for someone else and they're go yeah. looking to the tamari correct
1: yeah they're they're like oh no this this kind of the, the valdini weren't uh, capable of of stopping the strike uh, before it got out of hand
0: Okay, and and they say as well, like depletion of the local workforce as a result of agitation and ensuing classes clashes with Valdini security has put further pressure on local barons to source reliable labour. Hence, mm-hmm. look at the Tamari. Um it that strikes me like, you know, the idea that it went too well. It, they kinda wanted a whole bunch of people uh to to, to die. Um to deplete the local work- workforce they wanted a bunch of people to die is it that it went too well in the sense uh, your man happened to die as well the agent
1: i mean it, it just kind of it, it got out of hand more than they they expected it to and you know there there were um upsides as as the the um as she lists there were upsides and there were downsides to it they weren't necessarily trying to get a lot of the the workers killed but no, they're treating that as an opportunity
0: rather than a problem. Sure, sure. Oh my god, it's so grim. Um, yeah, and then we have a loss of an embedded agent as a downside. That makes, I think, perfect sense. Um, local populations distrust of a Besky investment has, f- has severely increased due in part to the punitive measures taken by the Valdini security force. That's interesting. That the that the local populations now have have a higher distrust in like a Besky investment in general as a result mm-hmm. of the Valdini and not just like a distrust in the Valdini company as a result of our measures. Do you reckon? I think so. Yeah. Because I mean, like if, if, um, I don't know, this is probably a terrible example, but like if, if party A in government, uh, imposes a bunch of punitive measures, I'd be like really angry at like party A, but not like angry at the institution of government. Do you know what I mean? Like there are other parties yeah. there that like be like where if these guys were here, that would be so much better for us. It wouldn't be so punitive. So I could easily see a local population being all like, yeah, these, these Abeski companies are not great and all, but like, boy, the Valdini really messed up. If we're going to have uh, Abeski companies, why don't we have, why didn't we have the Tamari be in here? They wouldn't have imposed. It wouldn't, they wouldn't have let it get to the point where such punitive measures would have to be imposed, you know?
1: So local population there is more talking about the, the general population rather than investors and barons and things. Um, and you've got to remember the Abeski are outsiders, essentially. So there, there's kind of a, a foreign element or an ethnic element to it, that it's, it's mm-hmm. these people from somewhere else came, and when we got involved with them, uh, a load of us got killed.
0: Right, right. So there's, there's, there's high distrust anyways to all of Besky. It's just, it's ramped up further as a result of this, this, uh, conflict.
1: I mean, there would have been an, an element of distrust, but I mean, to the average person, um, you know, just not who isn't, who isn't in investing here, who isn't involved in businesses, just like working in a ceramics factory or is a miner or a logger or whatever. One, uh, Foreign militarized colonial company is much the same as another. The specifics of of which one is which aren't relevant to that person's experience or that person's life. Yeah. And a, a hostile external force.
0: That that makes sense, yeah, when you phrase it like that. Um speaking of things being relevant to their lives, we, we don't really hear much about the grounds folk, do we?
1: Um I guess not i mean we've 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 got a little bits here and there, like some of the some of the documents have been written by them,
0: yeah I mean or about them That that would be if i if I may put suggestions to you uh that would be a thing I'd be kind of interested in like what's the experience of a regular everyday schmoll in the world um hmm. because we have a good understanding at this stage of like these years of doing world building we've a good understanding of how the uh the companies work and the machinations thereof um be interesting to see what happens on the ground so to speak um
1: well, we got that like a i think two episodes ago with the, the reports of the raids in otvev you know and the family that got split up
0: yeah that's right actually yeah yeah i suppose what i'm asking for is maybe a little bit more of that i suppose um okay. will be will be kind of interesting i think um like i kind of would like a sort of day in the life sort of crack from mm-hmm. some of these people because i don't really understand how the the grounds folk in general live uh, my 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 head canon is a, it's essentially just like um uh like victorian uh poor people basically um is how it works um but i don't know that'd be an interesting thing to have made a kind of explicit to to figure out like what these how these people live what they do um that sort of crack just just a, just yeah. a thought
1: you're you're on the right track with that
0: Cool. Um, yeah. Now, and then, was there anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is just the the, the sort of the very grim um, clinical nature of this is is uh, not horrifying, but, like, upsetting. Do you know? Like, the last <laughs> line is, like, uh, the exploitation of the current environment of agitation is a viable strategy to weaken our competitors and should be further explored. Like, exploitation of the current environment of agitation means there's been a conflict where at least one uh, actually no more than one person has died because there's been a depletion of the local workforce like there's been casualties death mortality and it's just like exploitation of the current air quotes current environment of agitation that's like so cold uh that you're like that's almost inhuman you know Mhm. Um, sure is. Sure is. And then the final point I have and then I'll pass it back to you and you can tell me about all the things I missed. Uh who is Sodena? Uh, Sodena Ilzat. Who is that? Uh
1: we haven't met her before. She's um a she's the depot commander of one of the depots in the the Transolian office, specifically in the Nalmia
0: 5th depot. Mhm um every so often when you come up with a whole bunch of new characters i I feel like i want to make a star wars joke uh and i'm going to kind of sort of not make a joke but explain the joke to you before making it uh i would just part of part of me thinks it'd be so funny if one day you were to turn around to us at like you know on an april fools whatever and be like actually uh so dana is like first cousin uh, and then this person is actually uh, a relative of Yar as well, and you do a kind of Star Wars thing where everyone's <laughs> in the same family. <laughs> Part of me like oh, yeah, damn It's it. all about
1: six people and their kids.
0: Exactly. The Rogue pull, the great the great E Cairn Rogue pull. <laughs> <laughs> um no, it's good and in classic Bill fashion with this this thing, um like short, sweet, to the point, and like brutally bleak. Uh which I'm here for. I'm here for it, Bill.
1: Good, cause that's what I'm, That's what I'm giving you.
0: <laughs> so what? What? What have I missed? What do you want to talk about?
1: Um, no, you've you've pretty much got it all there. Um, I think the the only thing, and this was this was hard to to get across, but um, when when faced with a, a, a social movement that kind of calls into question that their their very validity, their very legitimacy. Um, that is like the the striking and the agitation and the general anti-company sentiment um, in abesque that is now you know being spreading uh, further afield. Um, the Tamar company's response is to co-opt it and to try and use that to their own ends. You know that the, all they can think about is the short term. How can we use this? Yeah. Um. When you know it's something that that is actually. Opposed to their very existence, and they're 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 jumping on top of that and trying to turn it around to to their own profit um
0: yeah, actually, now that you say that's a really dumb thing to do in a way, because if they just replace the Valdini company, they're going to be subject to a bunch of strikes because no one wants the companies there, so like yeah, it's super short term thinking mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah, I guess I was kind of thinking of like. Um, you know, oil companies greenwashing themselves and, you know, presenting themselves as, as environmentalists just to kind of, um, you know, co-opting that movement mm-hmm. to, to allow them to, to continue to do what they do without uh, actual kind of disruption. This is like, oh, well, there's, there's striking here and we're going to use that striking um, to harm the other companies to give ourselves leverage
0: Without getting, like, politicsy here or anything, uh, wa- trigger warning folks incoming, um, like, X washing uh, insert whatever you want there, it drives mm-hmm. me so wild, like, because it's such a, like, creepy...
1: Wild with enthusiasm? No, 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 no like, anger. <laughs> oh, okay. okay.
0: I, I love me some greenwashing. <laughs> no, because it's such a, it's such an insidious, like slimy thing to do you know um mm. it's like sneaky um and i just and, and i it's it's like surprisingly effective um and like the example i can think of of it's sports washing in this example sorry folks sports talk with edgar for a second um there's a team in england called newcastle united you might be familiar with this bill correct
1: mm-hmm. um I, I, I know newcastle yes
0: do you know the the massive bit of sports washing that's currently occurring
1: Oh possibly go on so
0: so what happened was the, the this this team it's like a great historical english team um they were bought for all intents and purposes by saudi arabia by the state of saudi arabia now legally it's not quite like that and like they set up various things to make it that they're not just a what is functionally a wing of the saudi arabian government now legally it, that's not the case, but functionally, they're basically owned by the state of Saudi Arabia, um, and this is clearly just like it's it's sports washing. They Saudi Arabia wants to brand themselves as being kind of you know nice and cool, and we want to they want to be associated with things that people love, like their local football club and things like that, um, and. Uh, this went through and then people in Newcastle, and I don't necessarily blame these people, but they like immediately were just like completely okay with like Saudi Arabia. They were like, Saudi Arabia is our redemption. They're our savior. I I love Saudi Arabia. And you've people dressing up in like traditional Saudi Arabian garb, partying, learning uh, Arabic phrases or whatever, and like singing them and chanting the praises of Saudi Arabia. And I was like, but hold on, like, you know, well, I don't want to be xenophobic here or anything, but this is the country that, like, severely limits um, the rights of women. Um, this is the country that, like, is uh, helping to bomb the crap out of Yemen and things like that. Like, it's, a, it's a bit of a terrible regime. Like, They, they murdered um, that journalist, Kamal Khashoggi, Jamal Khashoggi. Um,
1: and I, I I know who you mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, like in Cold Blood, like like literally just like almost like it's it's like theatrical fiction how barbaric it was that they did it, and they buy a football team, and everyone loves football, so now everyone loves Saudi Arabia. Um, well, not everyone, but like there are a section of population that like have been kind of yeah sports washed and it's just yeah. I, I hate it because it's so
1: it's it's been a big pr coup
0: it's been a big pr them. coup and it just and it's so smarmy and sly and insidious and it works and i just it i hate it i hate it so much and it's everywhere like once you look for it like x washing is bloody mm. everywhere um you know there's examples of like at pride parades that, like loads of companies are like getting in on it and being like hey t- is all oh sorry I should, probably shouldn't name actual companies. Uh, it's like yay, it, sup, high street supermarket is all LGBT, LGBTQ friendly, but yeah, but they're also like extreme capitalists, you know. Like it's just because they they have a banner uh during a pride flat, a pride parade doesn't make them somehow mm. like bastions of goodwill or whatever. It's just yeah, yeah, I just I hate it so much. Anyway, that's my rant for today. I promise it's, no more. It's rats.
1: good. Um, as I said, it's good. It's good. PR for the mouse to say that they they love pride and that they they hang pride flags in, in the windows of all of their stores and then they you know take out queer characters for, in their films for certain foreign markets and donate massive amounts of money to anti-queer politicians
0: that that's that's it precisely like and they like they these companies care not about any of us. They care about our pockets. They care about getting our money. They care not about who we are, what we are, who we love. There is no caring on their part. And again, people like buy this and it's just, and it's because the tactic is so sly and insidious. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, just drives me nuts. So anyhow, sorry, like I said, that's my rant. I'm done. No more politics. Politics is over with Edgar. No more politics. Um, Anything else to add, Bill?
1: Um, no, I think we've, I think we've covered the, the whole,
0: the whole piece. The whole piece. Okay. Um, so, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what I've been up to? Let's. Okay. I have launched a new series, Bill.
1: I see. Mm, Have you been watching? I have seen the first two episodes. Oh, very good. Um, And episode zero
0: and episode 0 well that's not really an episode you know um so uh yeah we launched a new uh, series on the channel and i am surprised with how well it's been going and it has been a just a gargantuan quality of life increase for me because like the old the old videos were coming uh, increasingly uh, more incompatible uh, with my um sort of non-artifician duties in life and this new series has just been amazing like the idea bill right the idea that i can make a video once a week basically is unheard of like like back at the very very early days like 2014 when the videos were like two minutes long i was doing about once every one to two weeks um but since that time it's all been like you know four five six weeks sometimes um and this is just great that i'm able to make a bunch of content um, that I'm really happy and proud of that keeps coming. Um, yeah, so it's just been it's been absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Um, and people seem to like it, which is also kind of cool. Um, so what are your thoughts? what, what, are you, what, what have you been thinking uh, as you've been watching? Um,
1: just that it's it's very clear and anytime, That I kind of had a question, and because I I was watching them with a critical eye to note down things for the for the the podcast, be like, oh well, could you clarify this or what about this thing? Um, and you knocked the wind out of my sails by anticipating my my every question. No, so thanks for that. (laughs) Wow. There was there was some some way you phrased something about the the color of the star or something in in the first um it was one of those issues in the first episode and it's like oh no that was kind of ambiguous and then like the next thing you said after i thought that clarified it so yeah
0: i am actually shocked because one of the downsides of this new format because there's no script it's just me talking off the cuff and like Mm -hmm. i know i'm gonna say dumb things like jellyfish are extremely clever um Mm -hmm. that sort of crack like that's going to happen and that's just kind of part of the format so it actually kind of blows my mind that i i i had i cleared up ambiguity like live that's kind of class and that (laughs) fills me with great hope that this maybe won't happen all the time um I should have said actually at start there's links to the three episodes that have been released thus far 0 to 2 are in the show notes you can go check them out. Um as we go forward we're going to look at them in a little bit more detail folks. Uh like this section is basically just like hey a thing has happened what are your thoughts. Uh but as mm-hmm. we go forward we'll look at them in a little bit more detail. Um on the podcast. Um yeah, anything else?
1: Um What did I think? I I wrote in a few notes here. Um, So in the first episode, there was a comment left by someone, a teacher who says that they use their material in their classrooms, which I thought was very, very neat. Did you see that?
0: I did. And it's still, I still, you know, need to fight back the urge to reply and be like, please don't. Um, (coughs) Because like, I'm not an expert in any of these things. And part of me really worries that people are taking my ramblings and using them to like, teach people stuff because again i could be wrong about anything at any time i don't have the expertise to to know that you know um but if they're professional they obviously know and they can make a call and so it's not too bad but it just it fills me with anxiety every time i hear that pride and anxiety
1: (laughs) um uh, episode two um, did, so one of the things you say is, a a possible stellar system, uh, kind of format is densely packed, rocky planets. Mm-hmm. Have you done a video on that previously? Like back in the, back in the old days?
0: Kinda. I made back in the old days, I made a video about like running through basically a list video of all the different types of systems. And okay. I just noted that these things exist, but I've never done a, like a build for it. Okay. Do you, want to know, be, do you want to know how to do it?
1: That would be of interest to me.
0: So that, the way I do it, now again, could be wrong, not an astronomer, but the way I would think about doing it is that anytime you have something on the planetary system level that seems a bit weird and stuff, the reason why it's weird is resonances. Or at least you can employ that reason, Um to justify the weirdness. And so these densely packed objects, you basically just, what you do is you find orbits that are in resonance with one another um, that are in first order resonances. So for example, a first order resonance is if you have, say, two bodies, one body uh, orbits a star three times for precisely two orbits of an outer body. That's a first order mean motion resonance. The integers, three and two, they differ by one that's definitionally what first order is. Four okay. Is, four is to five would be one, five is to six, uh, 21 is to 22 would be another first order mean motion resonance. And the first order resonance is there like the most stable. So you can use those uh, to justify packing these really closely. Like, so if you think about it, if you had a uh, two bodies that were in a say nine is to 10 resonance, those two orbits, like the distance between them, will be quite short, right? Um, Because one is orbiting nine times for every 10 orbits of another one. Um, the distance between them would not be too great. And you can just chain that. So you can have the body one uh, is to body two, first order mean motion resonance. That's like really close. And then body two is to body three, another first order mean motion resonance. And then you can just like squish a bunch of crap down Uh, really close to one another. And that's how I would go about doing that. Okay. That makes sense?
1: I think that does make sense. Thank you.
0: I don't know if that's, again, I don't know if that's actually what happens, but that's what I intuitively would do to -hmm. to justify it. Um, Because again, they're really stable. So you can just cite that as being why this is occurring. Um, The reason why I never made a video on it is because I don't know the ramifications of what happens if you were to actually like put... People in such a system, like what's going to go on with tides, what's going to go on with gravitational interactions, because it's just so weird and different from what we are uh, currently embedded in. Um, mm-hmm. And the more one deviates from the solar system, the less and less literature there is on it and the less you can say about it. So, hence why I only ever made a list video running through the different morphologies and never looked at each individually. Yeah cool
1: all right I got you um that thing about resonances um brings me up to the the next thing I was gonna say about setting the outer limit like put the where the Kuiper belt is hmm so you, you take the last gas giant and that's in like a, a two to three yeah with the inner edge and it's in a one to two was it no yes yeah yeah one to two yep one to two. With the, uh, with the outer edge, um, which makes, uh, a nice sus4 chord.
0: <laughs> uh, wait, how is it making a sus4 chord? What are you talking about?
1: So you've, 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 got like, um, oh no, sorry. It's not a sus4 chord. Sorry. No, no it's on. not. It's a, it's a, it's a, a it's a fourth. It's, yeah. It's an octave and a fourth. Like, with a fourth inside it.
0: What are you talking? This, there's
1: only three things. So, a three. You've got you've got ratios there, right? So you've got the oh, yeah. the planet to the to the outer side is an octave, right? Because it's it's one to two. Yeah. I'm with you. What?
0: I'm with you. I'm with you.
1: Yeah, and then to the inner one, that's uh, what two to three. Yeah. So oh sorry so that's so that's a fifth that's a fifth right so so yeah you've you've, you've got you, sorry you've got you've got an open kind of like a power chord
0: you've got a power chord to everyone sorry. who doesn't know about music I apologize for the past two minutes it
1: wasn't two minutes sorry I was thinking... and then the fourth is from the the middle note to the top that's why I was getting the fourth there isn't actually a fourth in there because there's only three frequencies um uh but yeah so that's fun music uh, of the spheres
0: I, I I love I love the way your brain works sometimes like. That was that is a, that is a gas observation to make, and one that is uh, a giant observation, <laughs> and one that is completely obtuse to anyone who doesn't like have a music degree, because most musicians, uh, I reckon, don't get into the you know the frequencies of notes and how the physics of how notes are are, are produced or whatever, how intervals are produced. Um, that's some. Hella academic feedback right there, Bill. Can
1: I make the the case that it is, however, also very neat?
0: Oh yeah, no, it is neat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I will give it. The one that I recognized. <laughs> Let the record show.
1: Let the record show. <laughs> um, I tried to make my hand handwavia system in the what? Did, what did you call the the worldsmith?
0: The worldsmith. Yeah, the spreadsheet.
1: Um, and I could not.
0: Um, that's not surprising.
1: Why is that not surprising?
0: Because uh, it's the, the worldsmith specifically is using that Bode's, Bodes law thing, mm-hmm. and uh, that means that any system is like Bodean, if you will. Um, which right. is not a given strictly, strictly yeah. Bodean, exactly, which is not a given, and uh. Therefore, there are many viable systems that the spreadsheet would not uh, spit out because it's specifically spitting out Bodean systems. Um, And also, and also, uh, resonances, again, you can use a bunch of resonances to make another viable system that is nothing like what comes out of the spreadsheet. Um, So you could maybe look at Handwavia and be like, huh, are these bodies in resonance? If so, yes, great. Um, and again, would not look nothing like the spreadsheet?
1: Would there be a way um, to build kind of a similar spreadsheet or a similar tool where so let, let, let me open let me open this up here. So you've got put in orbit one, right and that's the one that you can edit at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then could you maybe like allow a certain range of values for the following? Um, so it'll allow the user to edit the 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 next few orbits um, and show like, but only allow them to edit within certain ranges. So you can put it right beside, um, but you couldn't put it too far away either.
0: Oh, interesting. Um...
1: So like, so it's derived from. So each each orbit is derived from the previous orbit, or each orbit's range potential range is derived from this specific perceived previous orbit.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, you could do that. It's a little bit cumbersome with Google Sheets because you'd have to generate okay. a spread. Well, no, actually, no, no, it could be done. You you would lose the the boldiness of it all. Yeah. Um, and, and specifically the reason why <clears throat> it's worth bringing this up here, uh, because w- what you're basically calling for is the system that I advocated using in my old planetary system videos.
1: I mean, I mean that—that's that, how I got Handwavia, So
0: <laughs> precisely, precisely, and and like that, the stuff in those old videos, uh, I'm going to stand by as being like correct insofar as, as one could be correct in this area. Um, but it was pulled from GURP Space. right? And GURP Space is a TTRPG, um, like handbook, um, mm-hmm. that uh, I think I mentioned this in one of the videos that is quite good at sticking to science, um, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. Like you tell you where that science came from, and I've never been able to confirm what GURPS say about the orbital spacing and the way they generate it anywhere else, and so I was like, uh, okay, it's it's a case of like just trust GURPS that they're working on something um, legit, or maybe employ something that's more kind of like um, academically understood, I suppose, and that's what led me to do strict Bodian systems because it's like. It's just it's more um, based on something concrete. If you know what I'm saying, um, yeah. as, as opposed to just pulling. But even, in,
1: even though, but don't you say in the video it's right. it's not necessarily.
0: It's yeah, it's it's. Uh, but but there is no reason to think that like another solar system type system wouldn't couldn't strictly follow Bode's law. Just because our system doesn't doesn't mean that another system couldn't. Like there's no uh, universal of. Or No universal of the universe, no universal that states that no system ever can physically follow Bode's law perfectly, you know. So that's the conceit of the spreadsheet. It's the idea that like, hey, Bode's law is a thing and it's a thing that we have found use, uh, useful to an extent in the past. Um, there's maths behind it, you know, there's an academic sort of history behind it. I'm going to take this and I'm just going to say that in the universe that the the worldsmith will create for you, Bode's Law just holds. And I think that's a better conceit than, hey, I found a thing in a TTRPG handbook that I can't um, determine whether it, it's just complete made-up nonsense or it's legit because no sources are cited. So I think that's a better call to make, hence the switch to a strict Bodean system. Hmm. Does that make sense? Does that track with you? Kind of. Or to give me. Tell me your reservations. What are your reservations?
1: I, 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 I'm trying to figure out how to how to formulate my kind of objection there, and I'm not sure how. But I'll have to think about it.
0: That's very that's very strong objection.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a strong opinioned person. Edgar.
0: <laughs> he has strong opinions about tea. We certainly do. The vessel that it needs and the pre-warming... I, sorry, just as a quick tangent, sorry, folks. Uh, I still find it, like, shocking that I taught you or I convinced you to pre-warm cups. I still I still yeah. don't fully believe that it actually occurred because I have no memory of this and it seems absolutely daft and counterintuitive to everything I stand for. Yet I was the one that uh, caused you to do this bizarre practice. Madness.
1: It's not a bizarre practice. It's a, it's a great practice.
0: <laughs> um... Anyhow, have you formulated objections? No, let's move on. Let's move on. Cool. Sure, you can tell me next month. Yeah. Yeah. No, precisely, or in two weeks' time, rather. Um, yeah. Any, any, any closing points? Um, I don't think so. Cool. I don't think so.
1: I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing where it goes. Uh, how, how quickly do you think you will get through the, the geo fiction?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm hoping. F- quick uh i'm hoping maybe dozen episodes or so possibly okay so we're looking at maybe two to three months i hope um and the reason for that is like although this is my favorite part of the word process i do love me some geofiction uh most people can't stand it <laughs> and i need to recognize it and most people uh are in it for langing and spec bio and culture and stuff uh so i mm-hmm. want to try and get through this as fast as reasonably possible um to get to more the more meat and potatoes of things, so like I'm not gonna do stuff like uh flesh out and do all the maths on each of the planets and track them like I'm just gonna we're basically just gonna build a habit of the habitable world and kind of everything else there is just flavor text we're not gonna look into it in any great detail um and that should make um make it progress quicker you know yeah um yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're looking cool. forward to it. Uh, hopefully, this this series will continue to um, uh, get better, and hopefully, people will will continue to enjoy it. Because so far, fairly positive um, reviews on it, which is good. Excellent. Cool. Um, green room.
1: That's green room. That's
0: green room. Um, I have like, I guess maybe one thing to do uh to put to like put to you or to tell you about like a story from my life and then uh a little fun quiz uh okay. if you're up for it
1: i'm down to clown <laughs>
0: down to clown. um i went uh, i i chucked the captain out of a plane uh is an update in, in my life um and that was a very interesting and terrifying experience cool the captain has always wanted to go skydiving. Uh, and as a birthday present, I was like, I will buy you a, a skydive from, I think it was 10,000 feet or something. They still measured in feet. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. and I, I So I didn't go skydiving. I have no interest in, in like, jumping out of a plane and, you know, raising the old micro morts there. Um, so I stayed oh. on the ground. And I was amazed at how anxious I was. Like, I was like, you know, I know it's safe. I know there's people who do hundreds of skydives, like the skydive instructors on the day, they must have done uh, maybe 10 jumps that day, like just up and down all the time. And they're not dying left, right and center. So like, it's obviously safe, but like nothing is 100% safe. And the actual bloody anxiety was unreal and it was a really cloudy day so they flew up on the plane the plane disappeared above the clouds and then there's just nothing right and i'm like she's up there i hope she's up there oh god i hope she's up there and there's nothing for like 10 minutes or so and then eventually some uh some parachutes like come out through the clouds and you're like Oh, thank God. And then the second wave of anxiety starts because you're kind of like, what happens if the parachute fails? Like the plane didn't crash. But what happens if the parachute fails? And it was the most nerve wracking, like, yeah, 15 minutes I have ever bloody experienced. Uh, but she really enjoyed it. Like she came back and she was like, that was amazing. Uh, and I was like, oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. But like, I'd rather not purchase that for you again because that was awful for me. <laughs> I mean, you don't
1: you don't have to go and watch it next time
0: oh i couldn't not watch it uh i think that would nearly be worse that would be dead like if i just took off and went to a coffee shop i'd be sitting there being like i can't even verify if she's dead you know um yeah i just get images i'd be sitting there sipping my fat white or whatever and i get images of driving back to the thing and you know there'd be a gathering of people and being like, look, we're really sorry. And then they point to a corpse on the ground. And I'm like, ah, like I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. <laughs> um, all, all very anxiety inducing. And it was mad just how, how like chill everyone was. Like there was a bunch of instructors who were just like smoking in the hangar of the plane. And I'm like, but is there not jet fuel everywhere? And everyone's like super chill. They all look like a, like a bunch of hippies. Uh, basically all the driving instructors. and there was a very it was very casual like the casual vibes really unnerved me a little bit like clearly they're professionals and they know what they're doing and it's a long-standing business that's been going since I think the 50s one has to assume oh, wow. yeah one has to assume that their mortality rate is pretty low to make it like what is that, 50 70 years of mm. service you know um but yeah the chill vibes and the clouds were just it, it, I, I did not anticipate just how anxious I would be. Um, so yeah, that happened. That was fun. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we were, we didn't get to record when we got to record because I was away. I happened to be skydiving the morning after when we usually record or rather the captain happened to be skydiving the morning after we usually record. Um, so that's my fun little thing from my life. Cool. Cool. Um, so I was watching, this is the final thing, nothing to do with world building folks. If you're here for the world building, it's, it's all done. Uh, I was watching long way up, uh, on Apple TV Plus, uh, it's a show with Ewan McGregor, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, sorry, what's it called? Long Way Up. Long Way Up. Okay. Long Way Up. And uh, it's a show with uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor, and his best mate Charlie Borman. Uh, they're bo- oh yes, yeah. They're both like uh, motorcycle nerds, and they have done various round the world sort of trips uh, in the past. And they've come back. They've reunited. The Avengers have reunited have assembled again and they they are they've done a the trip from the bottom of Argentina all the way up to um all the way up to LA and that's the um that's the trip that they've they've, they've done and in watching it it's like beautiful like scenery everywhere and it's all it's all wonderful um And it got me thinking about, like, you know, potential honeymoon for when the captain and I get married. Like, could we go to any of these stunning places that were outlined? Um, And I, again, with my crippling anxiety, I was like, I must go to the Global Peace Index. and must figure out how peaceful each of these countries are. And I will not go to a country unless it's, like, adequately peaceful. Because like I don't want to die painfully. I'm I'm a little bit obsessed with dying painfully, to be fair. Um so I looked this up last night. Not unreasonable. I mean, it I would argue it's not. People say it is unreasonable, but I would argue it's not. Um so I looked up the Global Peace Index, and I think there's a couple of like shockers in the top level and bottom level. So like the most peaceful countries and the least peaceful countries. Um and okay. so I I'm currently looking at the wrong year. Hold on. <laughs> Wait. Global Global uh, Peace Index 2022. Um, give me a second. Is this it? That's, that's... This is it. Yes, it is. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So, yeah, I'm looking now at the uh, Global Peace Index for 2022. Don't open a link on the computer, Bill. Don't look at this. Okay. I would like you... To have a stab at what you think are the top five most peaceful countries in the world.
1: Okay. To clarify, what what is it what, what does it mean mean by peace? It's not just external conflict.
0: It is. So hold on. Let me. I will click on. I'm going to bring up the factors here. So uh, the various categories that they're uh, rating off is uh, perceived criminality in society, security officers and police. Homicide, jail population, access to weapons, organized conflict, internal violent demonstrations, violent crime, political instability, political terror, uh, import of weapons, terrorist activity, deaths from clump conflicts, internal military expenditure, armed service personnel, um, UN peacekeeping funding. There's just a whole bunch of of um, okay. factors here.
1: Okay. So, uh, like, it is kind of a proxy for how likely an individual is to experience violence while there.
0: Yeah, I would say, yeah, uh, at the risk of oversimplifying things, I think that's accurate. Okay.
1: So, you want me to guess what the top five are? Top
0: five. Can you get any of them?
1: Um, does anything to do with, like, proximity to other uh, international conflicts... Come into
0: it. Uh, judging by the map I'm looking at here, I'm going to say no. Okay. Because there is like, there is one country here that's listed as being very peaceful. And it's literally bordering one of the worst countries on this list. Okay. Finland. Finland. Okay. Switzerland. Uh, Switzerland. Uh, Switzerland, New Zealand. Now, hold on. Switzerland, that's an interesting one. I, w- I thought that, right, initially. And then I was like, but the Swiss, like, they're armed to the teeth over there. So my immediate thing was kind of like, I get, they are peaceful, obviously, uh, but maybe you could be like, I don't know, accidentally shot. You know, <laughs> the Swiss people are like out there, whatever, shooting chocolate or whatever the hell they do. And you could like... <laughs> get in the way of the bullet or something, given the propensity of arms there, maybe that would be a lower score. Hmm. But in any way, Finland, Switzerland, New Zealand.
1: I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Um. Singapore.
0: Singapore, interesting. Denmark. Denmark, okay. All right, so you got two L five. Okay, that's not bad. That is not bad. So according to this list, um, the the best country to be in, in terms of peace, is Iceland. Okay. Then New Zealand. Okay, I
1: went for two Nordic ones. Nordic ones, good.
0: I I think everyone would immediately just put at least one Nordic country in the top five. Yeah. And you know they'd be correct. So uh, Iceland uh, is top of the bunch then new zealand so you got that one yes. then this is the thing that surprised me then ireland really ireland is the third most peaceful country in the world interesting that kind of blew my mind and then i thought about it and i was like well why would it blow my mind it's not like it's not like we don't we don't have a bunch of guns <clears throat> we're not we don't have an internal conflict going on um we're not a big police state we haven't got a like a massive amount of our population in prison like we have all the hallmarks of being a peaceful country. I, I just, I never expect Ireland to be like up with the leaders of anything. Like we're a very meh country. Mm. <laughs> so For us to be like top three, insane. Uh, and then after that, we have Denmark, which you got. And then we have the fine land of Austria. Okay. Is a top five. Um, we, yeah, Switzerland is 11th. Uh, you said Switzerland. Singapore is 9th. And Finland, if I can quickly find, is fourteenth. Okay. So Finland is quite quite low down, actually. Um, but it is Finland, and but it is higher than uh, Norway and Sweden. So of the Scandinavian countries, Iceland and Finland are the most peaceful, apparently. Cool. Now, um, now. So which which two do I get? New Zealand. You got New Zealand and Denmark. New Zealand and Denmark, sweet. You got two and four. That's that's actually quite a good return, given that there's like, uh, in this list, there are 163 countries, which I right. uh, seem to think they're missing an awful lot. I thought there was about 200 countries. And I know countries are nebulous constructs and all that sure. sort of jazz. Um, Yeah, like they have no data on, I think it's Luxembourg or Liechtenstein. No data hmm. on, I think it's Kosovo here, I see. Um. And they have no data. <laughs> they have no data. Is that Somalia? Sorry, hold on. I need to Google uh, map of Africa. Wait, one minute. What is that country there? What is that country there? Yeah, they have no data on a chunk of Somalia. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's not. It's not. Me.
1: Which Which bit of Somalia?
0: The bit that is just below Yemen.
1: Okay, Somaliland.
0: Sure, sure. So, not, not like yeah. the, the coastal bit uh, flanking the east coast. Um, the bit just. The below. north coast, kind of. The, yeah, the north coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somaliland. Guiana's not there, or French Guiana, or whatever, that, that French dependency in South America is not on the list either. Um, so, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of things around there. Um, maybe they're just the most peaceful places. Uh, <laughs> so, bottom five, what do you think the. The most violent, the least peaceful countries in the world are, according to this list.
1: Um. Well, I'm gonna be obvious and say Ukraine. Okay. Because there's a, a war going on at the moment. Sure. There, uh, which I assume is factored into it. Um, One would
0: hope this is for 2022.
1: So how how live is the data?
0: Uh, I I don't know. Okay. Can't, I can't confirm that. I don't actually know. When, when did the war in Ukraine start? It must be... about F- what? February. February. Yeah, unless they published in January. Mm. Uh, you'd think that they were factoring in Ukraine. Uh, but okay. in any case, Ukraine. Um. Yemen. Yemen. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Let me think Um, Syria Syria Maybe Myanmar
0: Myanmar
1: And
0: hmm. Myanmar is a good shot actually Ukraine, Yemen, Syria, Myanmar.
1: Yeah. And... hmm. Honduras.
0: Wow. What made you say Honduras?
1: Um... I was stuck for a fifth
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Honduras is uh, the 117th out of 163 countries. So it is okay. So it is pretty low. It well, uh, it's very middle of the road. Like it is color coded on this map as being light yellow, and there is okay. there is a there is an orange and a red below that. So it's it's very much middle of the road in terms of danger. Um. Or in terms of peace, again, according to this list. Okay, so do you want me to go through it? Yes, please. I find it really interesting that you have done, like, or you struggled more with this than the most peaceful, because I think the least peaceful countries are the easiest to get, Um, whereas the most peaceful are, like, really nebulous. Like, what is the difference between, like, Iceland and Finland? Like, it's barely anything. Mm. Um, Ukraine, not in the bottom five. Okay. Very interesting. Ukraine is 153rd out of 163. So it's in the bottom 10. Okay. Um, Yemen is the... Uh, actually, no, I'll just do these in order. So so the, the worst country um, in terms of peace is Afghanistan. Oh. I'm shocked you didn't say that. Because aren't they in the middle of like a civil war, basically?
1: I... I forgot that they were <laughs> I, I, I forgot that, that that there had been a uh a takeover there yeah
0: yeah yeah so the u.s pulled out and then chaos ensued um so and i'm, I'm and i think that chaos is still ensuing so afghanistan's bottom of the list then next up we have yemen you got that one yes then next up we have syria you got that one uh and then next up i guess somewhat surprisingly is russia Hmm. And I guess somewhat surprisingly in the, in the sense that, like, they're the aggressor. um. So, you know, I don't know. If you're on on the ground in Russia, are you going to, if, as long as you're not Ukrainian, uh, are you going to be under threat of violence? Maybe political violence, but, like, violence, violence. I, I don't know. That, that surprised me a little bit. Uh, and then the fifth worst one is South Sudan.
1: South Sudan, okay.
0: South Sudan, I think, was a bit of a gimme. I was surprised you didn't get that one as well, because that's, like, historically just always been very low on the list in terms of peace um, and even even Sudan I have a cousin who lives in Sudan um, they are 154th out of 163 um, I have a cousin who lives in Sudan and every so often I'll, I'll hear posts or whatever about what's going on you're like oh my god like that's kind of mental um, and South Sudan is always seen as being a little bit worse so you got two you got two out of five on the bottom end of the scale
1: I'm pretty happy with that on oh.
0: both any of those surprise you both in terms of most peaceful and most uh, least peaceful.
1: Uh, I didn't expect Russia would, would be so low. Mm, so you're with me on either. that. Either. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wh- where is Myanmar?
0: Myanmar is, uh, that's a good point. Where actually is Myanmar on the map? It is there. It is 139th out of 163. Okay. It is orange color. So it's it's uh, okay. like, I guess, what would it be like E tier? Okay. <laughs> uh, an E-tier country. <laughs> it's not an F-tier country. Um, and anyhow, so to bring it all back to the starting point but what made me start looking at this peace index, I was like, South America might be fun to potentially go there for a honeymoon type thing. Mm-hmm. And according to this peace index thing, you're looking at, if you're really concerned about peacefulness, you're looking at Chile, um, Paraguay, and uh, that bit of control by France. Um, And then I guess Panama, French Guiana, French Guiana, so French Guiana, uh, sorry, Uruguay, uh, Chile and Panama. Those are the only options. Everything else is either yellow or orange on this map. And that makes me really sad and also makes me feel a bit silly because, you know, you went to Brazil and you just survived just fine. And I need to get over (laughs) by some of my travel anxiety because like historically I've only ever traveled to green countries on this list because I'm just a bit of a wass. Uh, oh, I suppose you have, yeah. Yeah, like Korea is... But the, see, the thing is... Well, no, you've been to the United States. I have been to the United States. And to be fair, that was one of those things where... The United, you know the United States culture is kind of sort of our culture? Like we have McDonald's, uh, we watch all United States stuff. Um, sure. It's like this hegemon thing. I I, I, I kind of treat United the United States as being um, different from all the rest of the orange countries just by association do you know what I mean which is which makes no sense it makes no sense for me to do that like I'd be like oh I really don't want to go to like Colombia because it's like orange but I'll go to the United States because it's orange like that's an irrational part of my thinking here hmm. um, but I mean to be fair again I don't want to dwell on this because it gets policy-y. like it is kind of terrifying that there are so many guns there like and that you know, they had that that shooting in in uh, a supermarket in Colorado, not 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 um, too long ago, and like the concept that like you just be doing a shop or something and you could get shot is kind of terrifying and really makes me like think twice about like do I actually want to go there because that's that's like scary, like proper scary, you know? Um.
1: Um. Yeah. Uh, have you? Have I'm you been? To see. Oh, sorry, go on. Say again? No, no, go on, go on. I'm, I'm glad to see uh, Zambia is green.
0: You're looking at the map very good. Have you been to any red countries?
1: Red? Red.
0: Or um, orange. Red or
1: orange. I've been to Brazil, which is orange. That's
0: right. You've been to Brazil. but And you've not been to any red countries, no?
1: Don't think so, no. So, sorry, let me zoom out, please. Um, FYI
0: I should have said this at the start folks there's a link in the show notes to this map you can check it out I might even just put it on chapter art as well so you can look at us, uh, look at it with us um, although that would ruin the, the quiz if you're going to be quizzing along with us oh I've been we'll to Russia after. sorry I've been to Russia I've been to Red Country
1: oh you have been to Russia yeah
0: that was kind of more of a glorified layover we had no choice in that um, but yeah oh god I hate Russia so much I'm sorry. I'm not, and I'm not just saying that because it's like you know, let let like poo poo Russia here. Rightly so in many instances, but um, it was so sticky and hot. And Moscow, mm. Moscow is not pedestrian friendly in any way, shape, or form. It's giant Charlie. and has giant roads. And if you'd like to cross the road, it's it's just you're not doing it. It's oh, it's such an unfriendly. Uh, the, the urban architecture of it is really unfriendly to a pedestrian. Um and I really didn't enjoy uh being there in that heat as well. Um and I found the Kremlin to be quite underwhelming. Really? Yeah. You know that, that uh what's what's the basilica um in Red Square? Like the really famous church that looks all fantastic. I can't remember what it's
1: called. Um, um but you know the one I'm on about. Think oh, St. Basil's.
0: That's it. Uh I, I hope that's it anyways. Um that is tiny that's a really small church and in all the pictures it looks like this big grand and glorious like notre dame scale sort of church but it's like this tiny little thing like tucked at the back of red square and i was like oh that's a bit underwhelming um so yeah not a fan of my russia experience um yeah all anyway, right that was the quiz did you enjoy that pill i did oh thanks Thank you very much um maybe i'll go to chile Chile's meant to be great, very peaceful. Also meant to be a cool place to live. Maybe we might be able to save up and do a honeymoon there. Um, mm. Or I live, I live your dreams vicariously, or you, I'll allow you to live your dreams vicariously through me, and I'll go to Botswana because that's also peaceful, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll report back. Um, but anyway, that is the show, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. We will see you. Um, uh, in two weeks time so we're going to record the first Sunday of August so there's going to be a smaller gap in between um, these podcasts so we will we will see you shortly um, much thanks, sooner much sooner thanks for supporting uh, the show thanks for watching thanks for listening thanks for picking up some merch y'all are brilliant beautiful people <laughs> until next time
1: Edgar, Edgar, Edgar out
0: Edgar
1: Music